0: Hey, McCloy, what do you say? Hey, Hamilton, have a holly jolly Christmas. Is Alan still handling the Fisher account? <laughs> of course, who else? Mistletoe alert! May ex Miss Patrick, may ex Miss Harry, Merry mm-hmm. Christmas. You're late, honey. Yes, you are. I've been here the entire time, you just didn't see me. Say hello to Snowball. Snowball says, Merry Christmas, Patrick. What is it? (laughs) It's a little
1: baby piggy, winky, isn't it?
0: It's a Vietnamese pot-bellied pig. My darling pets. Don't you? Don't you? (sighs) Stop scowling, Patrick. You're such a Grinch. What does Mr. Grinch want for Christmas? And don't say breast implants again. Lights, camera, action. Welcome back to another episode of Happy Hour Films. As you all know, I'm Ross Bacon. I'm joined by my co-host, Mike McGuigan. Mike Say hi. How's everyone doing? And as you should know by now, we're two dudes who drink and we talk about movies. Now, this time, we're in week two of book adaptation uh, August, so it's Happy Hour Book Report. And we are... We picked one specific author this time, we're going to do that for the next week as well. Uh, this author, though, is... Uh, he's got some great movies that have come out because of uh, with his first three books, so we're going to talk about those. It's but Sandler.
1: he doesn't like any of them well he's turned around apparently
0: on less than zero and he's i think appreciates christian bale as patrick bateman in american psycho but rules of attraction is actually the one that's kind of the closest to the actual book (laughs) but as you said we said we're talking about Bradley snell it's less than zero american psycho and uh rules of attraction is what we're going to talk about and uh before we do any of that though we got to talk about what we're drinking so mike wake up
1: all right so I didn't believe Pat- Patrick Bateman wouldn't drink
0: beer. No. Yeah. No, now, I, in fact, he's a I think he's a Scotch drinker. Um uh, I'm trying to think what he does actually drink in the movie. Because when they're si- well, he does have a beer, I think, when they're sitting around uh in the beginning, when they're just in that club in the beginning. I think he's got a beer with the boys, with the uh with the other dudes. Um, it was the 80s, okay, man, so he had to
1: have a light beer. So his, uh, according to the novel, his habitual drink of choice is J&B Scotch. Now, obviously I can't get a local Scotch because, you know, Scotch is all made in Scotland.
0: (laughs) Yeah, you think so.
1: (laughs) So I do have a local spirit, which I, I thought he might, before I looked it up, I thought he might be a vodka guy. So I ended up getting stateside urban craft vodka from Philly. Okay. Now I'm not a big vodka drinker, but um, I'm gonna try a little bit on the rocks, and then I got a mixer for it for the rest of the episode.
0: Okay. So, you
1: know, oh that that's a really smooth vodka. Like again, not I don't like vodka because it has no flavor to me.
0: Right, it's just dry water. This
1: has very little burn to it, and if I had to drink vodka straight, I imagine this would be a good (laughs) choice.
0: Yeah, so I mean, vodka is like dry-tasting water kind of thing. It's like alcohol water. You know, there's nothing yeah. to it, you know? But, it happens
1: uh, I mean, to like, be, So, I tend to avoid it because it happens to be the first alcohol I got sick on. So, you know.
0: It's probably the first alcohol that most people got sick on if it wasn't tequila. You know?
1: <laughs> either that or like, fireball. I feel like everyone's gotten sick oh, on fireball. At least so, in my age range.
0: I was gonna say, I'm so glad fireball wasn't a thing when I was a raging alcoholic in college. Like... I'm so glad. But Jaegermeister was. Like, Jaegermeister and, like, Sambuca, which tastes like fucking blue liquor or black licorice, which... Why did we do 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 that to ourselves? Why do we drink liquors that taste like candy and ruin our lives, you know? Like, (laughs) what's the point?
1: (laughs) That's... I still can't taste... I still don't love the taste of cinnamon. (laughs) It's
0: not great. I mean, I enjoy cinnamon, but then again, I've never... I've had, like, one shot of Fireball, and that's it, but... i'm not a fireball guy i just for some reason i i can't get behind it i'm not really that big of a liquor guy but i definitely not a flavored sugary liquor guy um all right so me on the other hand i uh had a baseball game in berlin this morning and on my way back i kind of went through gibbsboro and like by eastern high school and i stopped at one of their local liquor stores and I got a New England pale ale from, hold on, let me make sure I get this right, because it's the Burlington Beer Company. Now, that is not Burlington, New Jersey. That is Burlington, Vermont, which also, I believe, um, coincides with the liberal arts college that they attend in, um, In well, that Clay attends in Less Than Zero, and that, um, our, our heroes attend in rules of attraction, which is in which is in New Hampshire. Camden College is in New Hampshire. So this is right it is next to not door.
1: Camden County College?
0: That would be great. That I mean it would make more sense for some of the actions that they have. But um but this is called elaborate metaphor. <laughs> so which most of Bready Brady's analysis stuff is just an elaborate metaphor or an elaborate take, fictionalized version you'd hope fictionalized version of celebrities in LA and vapid rich, call it rich white kids, you know, and all that. So it's, it's elaborate metaphor. I just love the name of it. It's like, okay, elaborate metaphor. Sure. That's a guess. That's a beer. You know, it's a new England pale ale, five, 4% brewed in Williston, Vermont. Good stuff. Now, why don't we start with the worst movie of the three, but featuring one arguably one of the best performances
1: in it. <laughs> you get yeah yeah, i I do think Robert Downey Jr is probably the second best performance on the list. like I feel Patrick Bateman's too iconic.
0: Christian Bale is like the Patrick Bateman. <laughs> There's nobody else that would ever be able to do that would but apparently, and we'll get into a rules of attraction because the main character of James Vendery plays is Sean Bateman, his little uh, Patrick's little brother. But apparently they did shoot some scenes with Patrick in it, but it was with Casper Van Dien from Super Trooper, uh, Star, Starship Troopers. <laughs> huh. I was like, okay, I mean, if you show him from the back, I can kind of get it, but I don't, <laughs> he's not Christian Bale. Like, they don't look alike.
1: <laughs> but wait, wait, we don't even know if <laughs> we, it could be the correct Patrick Bateman. Just saying. Like.
0: <laughs> hey. Could be, yeah. But is is there really a Patrick Bateman? You know, but but we we we, we
1: don't actually know if Christian Bale is Patrick Bateman. What the ending scene?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and that's that we'll get into American Psycho because we did talk, we have talked about Psycho before. Mm -hmm. We had Jr. and we talked it on. We talked about it with uh two actors, uh, one actor, two roles, or whatever it was, and it was um. Howl's Moving Castle and American Psycho. But yeah, it's there is a real like watching it this time. I was like, wait, did anyone know who anyone was in that movie? <laughs> Are they all completely wrong. But with Lesson Zero. It's you always, at least for me, I've always heard about Lesson Zero because it's like it featured Jamie Gertz, who was like the 80s it girl. She had uh Lost Boys, I believe, was either the year before this or this year, same year as this. Um, and then of course there's uh Eric Stoltz is in it for some reason. And then of course everyone remembers it because this is Robert Danny Jr.'s role as Julian. Where he is, basically, his life is crumbling because of his drug use. And this is essentially, Robert Downey Jr. has said, the movie that kind of kicked his downward spiral off, you know? <laughs> it's like, he was living this life, but this made it worse. And it's like, oh, I can see that. <laughs> I can definitely see that. Yeah, this,
1: because of his... So his performance is amazing as, like, an addict who just can't get it right. And has all the charisma in the world to fake getting it right
0: yeah Um, he just he just can't keep a financial backer
1: (laughs) he's it's hard to watch because of him it is a hard movie to watch
0: (laughs) yeah because and that's the thing i think it's it's hard to watch not just because you know the reality of what was going on with him but it would be harder to watch if he didn't turn it around, you know, if he ended up a River Phoenix kind of situation, like he would be a lot, it would be a lot harder mm-hmm. if he didn't have an amazing performance in Oppenheimer recently, you know, yeah. it would be, it would be a lot harder to watch knowing that this movie may have killed him, you know, but obviously didn't because Tony Stark exists now but with him in this role, you're like, oh okay, this is what an actor is, you <laughs> so this is an actor and especially compared to the other two main hero characters are are quote unquote good guys that we got Jamie Gertz attractive young woman can't act to save her life and Eric Stoltz there's a reason why he was not Marty McFly you know? and it's yeah. all in this movie
1: <laughs> yeah no and like there are scenes in this movie that I'm like wow this movie could have been amazing. could have been really great but then those two are our main characters <laughs>
0: Yeah, exactly. And then, of course, there is James Spader being incredible as a James Spader asshole, but he's not given a lot to do, and he's not around a lot. And it's his character of Rip is very uh, wasted, but because of all of the things that we just stated, basically, like the layout of this movie and how it's essentially like play Eric Stoltz's character comes back from college to find that his his friends and eric stoltz uh is come has come back and basically is playing like the reagan era dare program guy where he's like you guys are all on drugs i gotta get you off drugs drugs are bad it's like yeah we get it this is 1987 and ronald reagan ruined the world <laughs> you know it's like we fucking get it but in the book
1: congratulations he, to the drugs for the winning the war on drugs
0: yeah way to go drugs you're undefeated you, you've won it every turn <laughs> But with with the book of this now, Brayson else wrote this when he was 21 in college. Like, so he was he was living, allegedly living like this life and he was front and center for at least being able to witness characters such as this, you know, and the only similarities between the book and the movie are essentially the names and that it takes place in LA you know and that Stoltz is back from college back east and that's about it and at first he was basically like this movie sucks what the fuck and he even goes off especially on Jamie Gertz cuz she's terrible in this movie
1: that's <laughs> she's literally such a nothing character who has so little to actually contribute in this movie
0: yeah i mean i basically on record as saying her best performance in her entire career is as the can't spare a square girl in Seinfeld. <laughs> that is the <laughs> best performance she's ever given. And it's the only one that anyone probably should remember her for <laughs> instead of just being the eye candy in in uh, lesson zero and lost boys, you know? But so when Easton Ellis was like solid, she was like, this is not my book, <laughs> you know? And even, um, the people that are kind of like involved with making like the director and all they're like, yeah, this is, this was not the adaptation that we were intending to make, but it's the one that ended up being made. You know, it's like, Oh, okay. So no one had control of this movie from the beginning. Wonderful. (laughs) But it's, it's really cause the book is just several like snapshots of life in LA with these characters and they kind of just overlap. It's it's really like the storytelling device and rules of attraction, but without the annoying um like rewinding. Yeah. <laughs> so it's that's how the book is. It's very much like vignettes and very much like short character bursts and all that. But this movie would always so probably I guess,
1: so like you look at that, and I guess that wasn't really like really a big thing to have like a um trying to think of the word for it um like the vhs films where it's like
0: yeah 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 yeah,
1: where it's like, like you a, tell in one movie you tell four different stories that just have like something that ties them together
0: an anthology
1: anthology that is the word i was looking for
0: i was thinking i was like analog it's not analog <laughs> but yeah like that would be the better way to do it because that's what the book is and it's I think this story serves is served better by telling it that way. Other if you don't, if you tell it like the movie does, you really just get a veiled dare program, is essentially what this is. And it's it's annoying as fuck to see that. Now, again,
1: Robert Downey Jr. is the saving grace of it.
0: Exactly. Because he's showing what it's like to be on drugs and have it ruin your life you know and then ultimately kill you and, and
1: like i could, like what the tennis court scene where he goes to talk to his dad like that is a good scene
0: it is it is and it's it's funny because even as like a young man there you can tell he's going against an older man playing his father and you can tell that that dude the father is out of his league <laughs> he's like he's well out of his league acting opposite robert dunn jr and It's it's so it's so wild, too. And it's that's the story of Robert Downey Jr. You know, it's like he was Julian, Mm -hmm. but then he cleaned it up and he turned his life around. And it's, it's so funny that like usually when that happens, you either get a drop off in talent after they clean up or they die and since he did neither of those it's really the story like oh my god like it was there like the drugs were just subduing it or maybe made it better you know it's this guy is like a like a drug-addled robert jr is still great apparently
1: (laughs) yeah dude's talented beyond all belief and has endless charisma when he's on screen so yeah he's always going to be good even like what kiss kiss bang bang was like his first one after like getting clean and again he's still playing like a screw up but
0: he's kind of playing julian if he was a little more sober yeah, (laughs) or sober because i don't think his character in kiss Kiss bang bang actually does any drugs he just kind of drinks a little bit right
1: yeah, he's more just a con man than, like, an actual yeah.
0: actor. Yeah, and it's... The th- like, the thing is with this, it's... And also, it's our main character of Clay, who is supposed to be our main character, I'll say, because RDJ really kind of is our main focus. But Clay is supposed to... He's basically just, like, observing the whole movie. Like, the, he doesn't do anything.
1: He doesn't very actually, like... a nihilistic way to show a movie. Like, the way they made this movie, it was... They were like, Well, we're not creative enough to do it the way the book wrote it, so let's just have Clay be the observer, and we're going to go with the nihilist perspective, that nothing really matters.
0: Yeah, we're just going to show 80s excess, you know, and which they do. Perfectly, because that first like club slash party they go to with all of the TVs, I was like, "That's so many TVs! Oh my god!" <laughs> That's I'm trying
1: to think who you could recast to be your main character in this because I feel like you don't want so, like you want someone who is way more confident competent than Andrew McCarthy, but. Oh, that's right. I keep
0: calling him Eric Stoltz. He's fucking Andrew McCarthy. Sorry, my apologies to Eric Stoltz. (laughs) The two of them are interchangeable.
1: (laughs) But I feel like you don't want someone that's going to, like, you want Robert Downey Jr. being the spotlight. So you don't want someone that's eking into the spotlight to take away from him, but you want someone competent enough to be a good supporting element to it. Right, exactly. Like you could go with the route of like a young Tom Cruise or a young, uh, Brad Pitt, but I feel like they would be too too much almost.
0: I mean, well, did you catch uh, the cameo by one young Brad Pitt in the opening party? No, I didn't. <laughs> he is. He's like brief, He's like briefly in a shot. You can see him. Like I think it's when Andrew uh, McCarthy, when uh, Clay is walking into the party. I believe Brad Pitt is like right there, and you can be like, "Oh, Brad Pitt!" (laughs) He does. And there was apparently there's apparently a story, and I don't know if it's true or not, where Brad Pitt like ad libbed a line so he could get a SAG card. (laughs) But then like the director just stopped, be like, "Look, motherfucker! (laughs)
1: Like
0: keep your mouth shut and just stay (laughs) there." But my guess is because it is Brad Pitt, the line was probably better than anything that was written on the page. So him just saying it probably ruined it or made him look like an asshole. So they were like, look, no, <laughs> it's like, you do us." stage
1: <laughs> And uh, Ross's favorite band makes a cameo in this.
0: Oh, uh, which one? Well, this, this soundtrack in this movie is pretty killer, but.
1: Uh, oh, no, I'm talking about. Uh, the people referenced as musician one, musician three. Red
0: Hot Chili Peppers are in this. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Those so fucking dudes. Jesus Christ. I mean, it's, it, it is a movie about California. And what other band has ever written songs about California? <laughs> but, yeah. And, well, there was, a, there was a song. They were actually supposed to be more in this movie. Like, there was supposed to be, like, a Chili Pepper scene. that got cut out. Because at the time, they were doing their, like, only in their underwear kind of situation and like yeah. somebody was like yeah we can't do that in this movie like that doesn't make any sense here <laughs> you know because they were kind of sort of going for a little bit of a mass appeal to this mm-hmm. they weren't they weren't doing it basically like the book they weren't doing it like the book because the book is not for everyone this isn't a book that you like give to your kids when they start reading you know this is this is a movie. i can't
1: imagine it's that fun to read <laughs>
0: It it's interesting, but the thing with Brett Easton Ellis's novels, and it's it's American Psycho is kind of the most guilty of this, is you get so much detail mm-hmm. about these people that you inherently don't like, yeah. <laughs> simply because of who they are. They're these rich, privileged white kids, and the point of it is to skewer these people and show that this. you're not
1: that that's what i was struggling with with um with uh rules of attraction um i was like i don't like anyone in this movie no i
0: don't like i i mean we'll get to my my i do have a favorite character in that movie but he's only in like one and a half scenes and it pisses me off to no end but we'll get to him Well, yeah, but it's and that's the thing with with the book in American Psych of American Psycho, there are pages dedicated to just listing shit in like America in like uh, Patrick Bateman's apartment. It's all just like brand names and it's all it's supposed to be this parody of name dropping and of status symbols and all that. But at a certain point, it parodies itself because it is such excess of it. You're like, oh, my God. I am up Brett Easton Ellis' asshole as he's up his own asshole. You know, it's like we're <laughs> hiding out in his asshole. Here. And that's
1: how you end up with scenes in like uh in like uh fight club where like he's like reading through the catalog and they're showing all like all the prices and everything in there.
0: Which is which is funny that you mentioned that because Chuck Polanik, the writer of Fight Club, and he's got another, he's got a I think he's only got one or two movies made of his books. It's Choke and Flight Club that are coming to the top of my mind. But there are, oh, and um, in one of his books, uh, I think it's called Haunted or whatever. There's short stories. One's called Guts. And a character dies the way the dude in, I believe it's Final Destination 4, the dude that dies at the bottom of the pool because he gets his like intestine sucked out of his ass like that's that's the point of the story like that's what the guts part are and it's funny because the two people like when you're when I was in college and I was of that age like 19 to like 23 ish something like that Chuck Palahniuk and Easton Ellis were like the two authors I was reading like crazy like I was reading all their books they're doing all that because they were Palahniuk was like the height was like ascending basically because of Fight Club and Bradysan Ellis was had American Psycho come out in ninety one, and the movie had just come out in two thousand, so he was kind of seeing a little bit of a renaissance. But all, these authors are—it's funny because they both have great takes on pop culture and like our society as a whole. But Chuck Palahniuk with Fight Club is almost taking American Psycho and just saying. Everything that they say in this book is what inspires Tyler Durden to form everything that he does. You know, it's yeah. like informed Project Mayhem and all of that. It's, it's funny yeah. to see these movies because they're kind of doing the same thing, but not like purposefully saying, basically, like, hey, this movie is bullshit. <laughs> you yeah. know, this movie's message is bullshit and i mean really they
1: are like fight club and american psycho are literally like antithesis to each other like they're telling you the same story they're both following mentally unstable characters but they're just going in totally different ways about doing it
0: (laughs) yeah and if and the only thing with Fight club is is and, and like you said totally different ways american psycho the movie was it all in his head question mark fight club the movie this dude is in his head (laughs) you know period (laughs) it's exactly the same they are doing the opposite and it's it's funny because choke the other polanic adaptation is just kind of like a one-to-one adaptation of the book and it's sam rockwell and he's pretty great and it's
1: Wait a minute, when we were picking this, I didn't know Sam Rockwell was the star. I would have made us watch that one, you son of a bitch. (laughs) It's
0: it's one of those movies where it's like, okay, this is fine. (laughs) You know, it's he's okay in it, but it's not by far not one of his best, you know. Love Sam Rockwell. (laughs) Yeah, I think I think what's her name? Gillian Jacobs from Community. I think she plays a stripper in it. I'm trying to remember it. But um but yeah, it's and for for Brett Easton Ellis, though, it's he's got inherently filmable movies or books simply because you can tell this story very easily. Rich white kids doing abhorrent shit in LA, maybe facing consequences, maybe not. Like you can throw all that in there because it's gonna be a timeless story, essentially, because everyone always hates the rich, you know? And the the vapid excess that some of, like, in today, if we did this today, it would just be influencers is what this culture would be. And, like, Kardashians, basically. Mm -hmm. But even according to Ellis, like, American Psycho is the one that he said was inherently, he thought, unfilmable. And as we'll talk about when we get about it, it's because of the content of that fucking book, you know? It's the stuff that Patrick Bateman does that is, you would think, unfilmable. But... Think about things that we put on screen recently terrifier just <laughs> comes to mind I don't think it was it's that unfilmable Brent. Right? <laughs> just maybe back in the 80s or the early 90s it was you
1: know? which is weird because that was like a lawless time in film yeah it's crazy as hell like it's so
0: crazy that it took until 2000 to film American Psycho I mean, maybe, like, the world was just waiting for Christian Bale, you know? It's like they were just waiting for Christian Bale to be the right age, the right amount of jacked, you know, just to be able to get this movie made the way that they ended up making it, but unfortunately, before that, they only had uh, Andrew McCarthy, aka Eric Stoltz in my mind, uh, and RDJ, and Jamie Gertz is there as well, like, kind of putzing around in Less Than Zero, and... It's one of those movies that they they just kind of puts around and they also don't kill
1: Jared Leto in it, which inherently makes it a worse film,
0: exactly. Exactly, (laughs) which they could have, they very well could have. But uh, all right, so my casual beer or your not a beer, it's a vodka. That's your vodka. All
1: right, so I switched over to the mixed drink, I added a little bit of a little bit of watermelon juice and lime, it makes a pretty good mixed drink,
0: (laughs) okay, okay. So I stateside drink?
1: vodka. I'm on record. I really like their seltzers, Um and their vodka is good too. Again, vodka. I prefer to make it mixed drink. Like it's not a. There's no reason to drink vodka neat or on the rocks, if you ask me, because it doesn't have a lot of flavor to it.
0: The, like the old men, like that can do that. That just like come home pour a glass of vodka usually they're like a lawyer with a lot on their mind at least it's have like, it
1: like a martini or something
0: do something like something with some flavor it's like if you can sip straight vodka i'm kind of terrified of you you know because <laughs> you might be a little cucumber product.
1: and lime like come on
0: right yeah it's just like vodka is a vodka's a mixer for all i care you know it, there's that's it's... like
1: i i'm i love whiskey i collect whiskey i can drink whiskey straight whiskey has different flavors in my mind yeah
0: yeah, oh, well, they do. Yeah, it does, and even like rum to an extent does, you know. And so I don't know anyone who
1: new. just sips on rum. That's like right, the...
0: but yeah, that's that's like the one that isn't the sip and drink, you know, which is odd because it's the one that you probably it has the flavor and everything, you know. There's different versions of it. Oh, fucking yeah. vodka. I, I can't just...
1: imagine drinking spiced rum like just on the rocks like that that just doesn't
0: work in my mind (laughs) fine talk to the people in the in the fine people in the caribbean Mike, because that's where captain morgan made them all love their rum you know (laughs) their spiced rum but uh now on the other hand i'm drinking an elaborate metaphor from uh burlington beer company and i say it was williston vermont so right uh right across the border from camden college where our buddies and rules of attraction go and uh Directed by fucking Roger Avery, you know. Um pretty uh famous cinematographer, I
1: believe is what he was.
0: Cause he's done pulp fiction. He did we, you, he's you like he works with
1: because the most like the best thing about this movie is how visually striking like the edit is. It, it is Absolutely. wild how the editing in this movie. It's like just very fascinating to watch.
0: <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. And it's uh yeah, he's he's well, he's not a cinematographer but he has collaborated with um Tarantino a bunch and he's actually won he's won an academy award for pulp fiction for uh, original screenplay and uh yeah so right off the bat this dude's got this dude gives some credibility to this movie because he brings like you said like a style to it and it's it's funny because in the book this this book it starts mid-sentence and you're it's a stream of consciousness kind of thing like you you're just put into this person's head and it just starts mid-sentence and the book like the movie ends mid-sentence and it's just kind of like you're jumping into this party you're jumping into somebody already in the middle of a story and you just go with them and then you leave and you go about your day when the when you feel like it at the very end you just kind of bounce but so when it comes to actually like being faithful to the book, this one's fairly faithful because for the most part, it is just kind of like hold as a vignette, like a, like a bunch of different stories taking place at once. We just kind of rewind a little bit and branch off certain scenes to follow a different character. And my favorite, okay. There's my favorite character in this movie, unfortunately does not get, the screen time he deserves and it is the character of Richard aka Dick <laughs> and I love this <laughs> he's so fucking funny <laughs> he's absolutely the best part of the
1: movie <laughs> this movie is what I would consider like. I, I don't think any of the main characters are have enough charisma to make the you're not supposed to like any of them work that's yeah. none of the main characters are likable. And it's a shame because I like the actor who plays Paul.
0: Paul is uh Ian Summerholder. Yeah. Yes. Uh future vampire diaries. Uh
1: yeah, CW I'll admit star. it. I was I was like early high school when vampire diaries came out, and the first couple seasons are not bad.
0: Yeah, I've never watched any of it, but the thing with this movie, it's funny because aside from James Vanderbeek, who still is in a, a, like a bunch of stuff, he's still putzing around a little bit. He's by no means a leading man anymore, but he's still doing stuff. Hell, he's Vampirina's dad on Vampirina, so he's got the, the Disney streaming money coming in, you know, but this movie is a who's who of early 2000s actors. Jessica Biel that immediately disappeared (laughs) but Jessica Biel is probably the one that has tried to come back and I think the world's kind of been like look Jess we love you girl but not anymore (laughs) it's just not for you anymore you're Mrs. Timberlake I think I don't even know if they're still together or not but when you look at it Shannon Sassamon everyone remembers Shannon Sassamon then there's Kip Pardue. Everyone remember Kip Pardue? Ian Summerholder. Kate Bosworth. Thomas Ian Nicholas. You remember him from American Pie and American Pie 2? Yeah, that's the only thing. And he's Rookie of the Year, wasn't he? It's like, these are the only things these people have done. After this movie, their careers go away.
1: <laughs> now, recasting our main... Recast, recasting Bateman... Um, this actor probably, he may have been too young when this movie came out to be him. I don't know. He would have been... What when, when, what year did this movie come out?
0: 2002.
1: So he would have been about 20. Boyd Holbrook, I think, would have made it...
0: Oh, a- yeah, yeah, yeah. Bad guy, Logan, Indiana Jones, Todd Dial of Destiny, right?
1: I didn't see Dial of Destiny, but he is the bad guy in Logan. But what well, makes me think it is if you... Did you watch San- The Sandman on Netflix? No,
0: but I know I know which character he he's like. He
1: plays the, the guy, Corinthian right? in that, and I'm like, dude, that guy is obviously like a monster, but he's like my favorite character.
0: And that's I think that's the thing. And I forget where I heard it, but like Boyd Holbrook is like the modern day kind of Zapka because yeah. he's always like some kind of. Asshole in the movie in the books and the, the roles that he takes. And it's like that's kind of what he's getting pigeonholed as playing. So yeah, he would be he would be pretty good in this, but I don't know if he would have that like not grizzled actor, you know, like grime to him yet. But he would he would definitely be a little more intense, I think, than he has Jay more
1: Spanner. charisma to me. I keep saying charisma, I keep using charisma, but that's <laughs>
0: If, ironically enough, Charisma Carpenter, not in this
1: movie
0: <laughs> Very <laughs> famous early 2000s, not in this movie
1: <laughs> But I'm like, to make this, like, this movie is fine I Again, the problem is you don't connect with any of the characters Because you're not meant to But none of the actors are quite up to par to make them likable Despite the fact that you're not meant to like them
0: it, This is basically like elevated CW is what it is. It's kind of like if you take Riverdale and give it a little bit of like mainstream feature film credibility. That's that's kind of what it is. And what what I like are the little things in this movie because there's a lot of little shit that's that's very fun to me. But you do have to give them credit. It's very ballsy to start your movie with date rape. <laughs> you
1: know? Date rape filming and. <laughs>
0: And treating it as if it's just a casual thing that happens at parties, you know? And they then throwing the up on the poor girl is. at the end. Right. Yeah. They don't treat it as the horrific act that it is. They basically treat it like passed out during the party. Oh, well, I guess my asshole is getting violated. You know, it's another night again, another night at Camden College.
1: <laughs> yeah. I really don't know how to feel about that opening scene.
0: It's, it's tough. And I, from what I remember in the book, it's a little worse. Um... But then there's also the Jessica Biel bangs the football team scene. And it's, it's like, well, that could be worse as well, but at least she's a willing participant for, for the most part. She and broke
1: she goes on to marry a senator.
0: Exactly, yeah. So, like, that's her, her character is that. So, at least for that, it's like, oh, she's just a very promiscuous woman who managed to, I guess, do 22 dudes at once. I mean, it's fine. But then there is... Um, there is Ian Summerholder's character of Paul, and he's just the gay guy on campus who is perpetually trying to turn the straight guys kind of thing, and it's there. there is the scene with his, the two, the other gay dudes on campus, apparently, one of which is Jay Baruchel, apparently, and that scene's pretty funny when they Jay is apparently ODing and they take him to the hospital and they have him laid on the ground, his eyes are kind of rolling back in his head, and the doctor comes out, feels his pulse and goes, yep, He's dead. It's like no, and then he's like, he keeps saying, shit, and Barishall just kind of comes back. He's like, "What? No!" And they go to haul him out. He's like, "No, I must insist you bring back your friend's corpse so I can perform <laughs> some tests." This killing me, man. <laughs> he's not like a mental patient wearing a jacket. He's like a legit doctor in this hospital. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah,
1: and like God. I wanted this movie to be better than it is because of, like, the little scenes like that. And, like, there are things, again, that work in this movie. And the cinematography makes it visually appealing to watch.
0: Yeah, you keep, you keep, it keeps your attention because of that. And then, like, having little, uh, little scenes, like, it's, like I said, it's the little vignettes, the little scenes. You could cut these and they could all be, ske- like, comedy sketches, a lot of them. Or they could be like little tiny art films, you know, especially the scene with Fred Savage. <laughs> oh the scene with Fred Savage is so good <laughs> simply because of Fred Savage uttering the words, I can feel my dick. I can feel my dick <laughs> after shooting heroin into his feet. It's, oh, it's funny as hell. But then, of course, you know, we'd come to find out that Fred Savage in real life, not that full cool of a dude, you know, but it's. Then, do you know the story about the DVD commentary with this? With no. this movie? Okay.
1: No, I do not.
0: So, and I used to have the DVD too. I don't think I have it anymore. I think I that was one of the ones I got rid of, but Brett Easton Ellis was supposed to do a commentary for the DVD. But he was very, I think, it was, I think he said he was a big drinker at the time, maybe drugs, whatever. But either way, he overslept and missed it the next morning. So, as a joke, the director was apparently friends with Carrot Top. Now, Carrot Top has a DVD commentary on this movie, and it's him basically watching the movie for the first time and just kind of doing like a Mystery Science Theater 3000 kind of commentary to it. <laughs> but- I was like, and everybody was kind of like, oh, no, it's it's this arty thing. It's just how ironic is it? Isn't this funny? But no, it turned, like to cover up the fact that Brady Snellis was too drunk to actually show up. But I was like, oh, my God. I wish I had known about that when I had the DVD, because I probably would have watched this movie a thousand times with just Carrot Top's commentary on it.
1: <laughs> I, I kind of want to find that.
0: Yeah, I know. It makes you want to go to, like, the the $3 bin at Best Buy and get a DVD from it. But then, of course, there's Clifton Collins Jr.'s character, and uh, I think it's Rupert, I think it's the character's name. Yeah. Or Rufus. Rufus is the character's name. And um, he's hilarious, because the dude is, like, coked out of his mind, but he's super paranoid, and he's a drug dealer and all that, and Bateman owes him money and everything, and Bateman keeps lying to him, because he's Patrick Bateman's little brother. The dude is loaded. Right? He's like from a family of money, but he keeps saying he's like a Neba- Nebraskan pig farmer. <laughs> he's just trying and to then,
1: like you. what he goes up and talks to the girl. He's like, I'm pretty sure I fucked her in like the first week of school, and then introduces himself as a different person.
0: <laughs> right? It's so good. And but yeah, Clinton College junior character is like you, motherfucking motherfucker. <laughs> like every line he has in that first introduction. And first you're semester. right.
1: It's Rupert. I'm pretty sure.
0: Uh, yeah, let me pull it up. Let me pull it up. Let me pull it up. Clip, they got Rupert. You're right. Yeah, I was. I second guess myself. But my favorite is also like one of my other favorite characters is his like right hand man, that Jamaican guy, who when we're first introduced to him is reading a magazine called Come Shot Review.
1: <laughs>
0: it's like a legit magazine that he's just flipping through.
1: <laughs> That's, what a great again, idea! The little things in this movie make me understand why it would be a cult classic. Yeah, but absolutely. I'm like, if you just get the casting on the main characters a little bit better, this movie yeah. could be fantastic.
0: Yeah. And then there's of course there's the Jessica Beale, she's blowing lines of Coke and her nose starts to bleed and we get the less than zero line of rusty pipes. Yeah. You know? But um I was trying to remember if they said that at all in American Psycho, but we do we are we if they don't, we do get the trade-off of Justin Thoreau yelling at a guy in a bathroom stall next to him while he's <laughs> trying to do cocaine. <laughs> But, and then of course like i said there's there's my my favorite character dick and dick's mom is played by swoozy kurt Swo- uh paul's mom is played by faye dunaway <laughs> They're only in one scene in this movie, and I don't believe they were ever given a script. I think they were just told to react to whatever is being said, because when Dick is, like, just saying the shit he's saying, Swoozie Kurtz, you can tell, is, like, trying to hold it in. She is trying not to break. And Faye Dunaway, I think, is just drunk. <laughs> just legitimately drunk. <laughs> God.
1: Yeah, th- I'm I'm so torn about this movie. Like I don't know if I like it or not. I really can't tell.
0: I do. I I enjoy it. I enjoy it simply because, like I said, like the little shit like the little skits all add up to to fun for me. And the one of the best, one of the cra- other craziest things about this is Victor's trip to Europe. That that was,
1: that scene is so good. <laughs> That's <scene> is.
0: Chip <laughs> Pardeau really does nail it. He does nail it. And the best part is that that character. Is the main character of another Bryce Nellis book called Glamorama. And what happens in that is that Victor is a model who goes to Europe and eventually becomes like a Zoolander type character. He's a terrorist model, but he doesn't even know it. Like he doesn't even realize that that's what's happening. And that's what the masks are when they wear the, their masks and the, and the car bomb that does go off at one point when he's with the, uh, the random girl he meets. But apparently they filmed that scene over like 15 days and had like 70 hours of footage and they did turn it into like an hour and a half long movie called Glitterati, which, for, which is supposed to be basically the adaptation of Glamorama. But... That movie will never see the light of day because apparently there's a lot of Elvis Costello music and a lot of other songs that they used that they couldn't get the licensing rights for. And rather than change the music, they just said, fuck it. I guess we'll never release it. <laughs> so it's just chilling. And someone's in Roger Avery's like drawer somewhere. <laughs> it's an unreleased movie. And even Brady Sinellis did say he's like, it's basically in 90 minutes of kip pardue just successfully seducing women (laughs) because that's what he did he went to europe he he was his character and he was just kind of like man on the street kind of thing and that's and that it's it is great when he rattles off that almost like single breath like five minute scene it's pretty damn good I mean,
1: it's funny because like watching that scene i almost think back to ted where uh (laughs) where <laughs> he's like trying to guess the name, he's
0: like Brandilyn, Brandilyn, Brandilyn. No, yep, no, yep, exactly. White <laughs> like exactly.
1: trash. He just starts rattling off names.
0: I love the my one of my favorites is the the little stinger to Victor is. Did you catch the message written on his whiteboard on his door? No. When when Lauren goes to Sam and he's like, hey, I don't know who you are. <laughs> you know, I was like, that's great. Like, cause she she's apparently his ex, and he has no fucking memory of her, but she's like in love with him. And when, the, when he shuts the door, because he's going to bang Jessica Beale, because she's, like, dancing around. She comes dancing in the frame onto the bedroom. She just kind of waves. or it's <laughs> like, hi, I'm banging him. So then he shuts the door, and on his whiteboard, it says, Victor, the test came back positive. Be careful. <laughs> I was like, then when I was in college, and I don't know if it was the same for you, Michael, when I was in college, we all had whiteboards on our doors. And it was like, that's the kind of message you leave, <laughs> just to fuck with somebody.
1: <laughs> yeah. My, I think my favorite in college was uh one night freshman year. I, me and my friend were hammered. I, my hangover was insane, and I had an eight thirty the next morning. And he came out and checked his whiteboard, and I wrote the message. I don't know how, but I made it to my eight <laughs> thirty.
0: Right. <laughs> there we go. We, yeah, I mean, that's that's the kind of message that like everybody writes or should at least write on someone's got a whiteboard on their door. Just leave something. The best would be a, yeah, the best thing to do is to time it for like Parents' Weekend, mm-hmm. so when Mom and Dad show up, it's kind of they walk up to the door and Dad shakes his head like been there, but Mom starts losing her mind, you know. <laughs> but uh, but yeah. So I mean, like I said, this this movie, and then of course we didn't even talk about. The kind of craziest storyline in this movie, which is the Suicide Girl, and oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's it's the girl. There's this. There's a there's a running thing in this movie where Sean Bateman keeps getting these purple notes filled so with glitter in yeah. his uh, in his mailbox, and he thinks that they're from Lauren, which is Sandi Sossamon's character, but instead they're from this unnamed girl who eventually ends up killing herself in a bathtub. Now if you pay attention to the movie she's in every scene that Sean's in she's in the background she's over on the edge she's doing something and her storyline is taking place in the background of this movie just like her life presumably is taking place in the background of all of these uh, lives but then she kills herself and it's like wow we started with date rape we have a crucial plot turning point of a suicide and none of it matters (laughs) No one cares about any of it. That's
1: another this movie like again, I've never read one of his books, but all three of these movies are so nihilistic in their outlook. It's hilarious. crazy.
0: Yeah, I mean, of, of the three, I would absolutely recommend a lot of reading psycho, like reading American Psycho, just to see if anything, to see the differences or the stuff that they left out in um in the movie, which is includes a uh, i think an entire chapter dedicated to whitney houston
1: <laughs> it's pretty it's like okay. they take uh, you the watch, Louis,
0: uh monologue and just extend you it
1: you watched the coma fd
0: i did briefly i watched a few uh, i think i watched the first season of it
1: so i watched one of i think it's one of the newer episodes last night and it made me think of american psycho for some reason but they were uh well, one of the guys goes on the dark web and I guess he's trying to earn money after burning down something <laughs> and he's doing the uh he goes on the eat this type of videos on the dark web and he doesn't use a VPN so guys oh. just keep showing up like at the fire station with crazy ass things <laughs> for him to eat <laughs> yeah. Yeah. including a puppy doesn't of actually course, eat yeah. the puppy <laughs>
0: Yeah, feed feed me a cat, you know. But uh all right, so uh, it's it's probably. Oh, I guess, I, I would be remiss. Like I guess I have my favorite character, Dick. His best line is a response to Suzy Kurtz. He comes bursting into Paul's hotel room and he's drinking a bottle of uh, Jack Daniels and he's drinking on the bed. Suzy Kurtz comes in. She goes, hey, "Richard, you're drinking," and he goes, "Drunk? I am drunk." <laughs> and then they have their uh their my music montage dancing to wham <laughs> right, or to getting the faith but it's uh, and not the not the uh limp biscuit version the actual version. <laughs> yeah the gay version <laughs> but um so that's rules of attraction so mike how is your spirit
1: it's pretty good i just finished about my second mixed drink and well i Again, drinking a mixed drink, so I mostly just taste the mixer at this point. But I have to recommend Stateside Vodka. Their distillery is really cool if you have a chance to go do the tour. Nice. Nice. where's that again? It's in Philly. Yeah, 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 that's right.
0: Yeah, and my elaborate metaphor from Burlington Beer Company, and uh, where is it? Willis, Williston, Williston, Vermont. Yeah, it's uh very good, very good, very nice, easy New England pale ale. So. Now we're on to the big guy. Part, we'll say the revisiting of American Psycho for us, and uh, I don't remember what we said the first time, and I wasn't. Gonna yeah, be like, I,
1: I, I, I gotta be honest. Until you sent me the schedule, I was like, "Wait, did we talk about American Psycho?"
0: Before. <laughs> there, there are so many things in the like movies we've talked about that we could probably talk about again, fresh, and probably be saying completely different things. <laughs> but it, one one thing's
1: is- going to remain the same. I gotta go return some (laughs) videotapes.
0: That's right. That's right. Yeah. (laughs) Pumpkin, you're dating a tumbling, tumbling dickweed.
1: (laughs) You know what? I thought about it and uh, you can have them.
0: (laughs) Yeah. American Psycho 2000, director Mary Heron. But I already said all this. This one is actually very faithful to the book as well, except for it it really does shave down the book into. A palatable movie basically is kind of what it does with um it does it does get rid of a lot of the extreme shit a lot of the stuff that's in patrick's notebook that uh Chloe seven is like flipping through that's a lot of stuff that actually happens in the book mm-hmm. um there like i said there's entire there's an entire chapter dedicated to whitney houston I believe there's one dedicated to Phil Collins and there's another one I think dedicated to Huey Lewis as well. There might be one I'm missing, but Patrick Babe, Oh, and then there's like chapters upon chapters like dedicated to his like morning routine kind of thing, all of this stuff. And it's 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 weird because it's almost as if like intro to novel writing and list making. Combined with you know social satire and uh, critiques of eighties excess and the yuppie culture and all that, and what the thing that the book doesn't have is a the great soundtrack yet again because all three of these movies have great soundtracks. Oh they yeah, really yeah
1: that that is Rules of Attraction has one of my favorite soundtracks.
0: It's a great soundtrack. Yeah, and then of course we also get the cast of this, which. Patrick Bateman, played by Christian Bale, just fucking knocks it out of the park, No, It hits the ball harder than you can hit a ball, when, if that's what we're comparing it to. And it's so damn good. He is so perfect in as Patrick Bateman. It's kind of scary, <laughs> you know? It's, it's very the scary. The fact that
1: he based his, like, insane look off of a Tom Cruise uh, interview with Oprah... <laughs>
0: It's, it's like, all of that, basically, and all the guys look the same, because that's the whole gag, that all of these dudes are interchangeable Wall Street They D-stay. all
1: have very slightly varying hues of white on their business cards.
0: Right, and slightly different fonts. The only one, which is funny, the only one that is different is Lewis's, and he's gay. <laughs> so that's why it's, like, even funnier, like, oh... Of course his would be a little bit different, probably a little better looking too. He's got like the gold type on his. It's like, yeah. oh, that does look better. <laughs> and and <Boom. laughs> yeah. The the real question is though, the 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 first question everybody sees after watching this movie asks is, did any of it actually happen? I mean, that's that's the first question you ask, because Patrick Bateman confesses everything to who he thinks is his lawyer, but his lawyer doesn't even remember who he is. He thinks it's a joke. But the real question is, does anyone in this movie know who anyone is? And
1: I yeah, argue... who is Paul Allen? Who is Patrick Bateman? Who is... Well,
0: I argue that there are three people in this movie who actually know who Pat- Patrick Bateman is. One of which is Patrick Bateman himself. The other is Justin Thoreau, and the third is Josh Lucas, who play McDermott and Bryce. Or Bryce and McDermott, respectfully. They constantly refer to him as Bateman, and like they, there's never a question as to who Patrick Bateman is when he's hanging out with those two and, dudes.
1: Don't and like two like, people here in like Bateman—they go, "Oh, that guy sucks."
0: Sure. <laughs> then it's it's funny because then there's Van Patten. There is Marcus Halberstram, the, the legendary Marcus Halberstram. What a great name, for one. Marcus Halberstram is such an amazing name. That's, like, if,
1: he, if you add the third onto that, that would be like one of the family guy jokes where he's like, William Bottom Tooth the Fourth, how do you do? Right. Well, he's,
0: he's got to be. That's like one of the names where you add like a C period before the name. <laughs> like, like C Monk Army Burns, like Mr. Burns. Yeah. Said, it's like C Marcus Halberstram, the third. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's marcus albert is such an amazing name i love it and then oh, the
1: Strand fortune, we made money off chewing gum in the 1940s
0: <laughs> right yeah all of that and it's it's so funny because then like you look at this cast this cast again is also stacked we mentioned bale thoreau and josh lucas then there's bill sage's van patten chloe Sevigny as gene reese goddamn witherspoon as evelyn and Evelyn, to her credit, in a movie full of amazing lines, has my f- one of my favorite lines in the movie. It's when they're at the Christmas party and she says, oh, hello, Patrick, Mr. Grinch. And what does Mr. Grinch want for Christmas? And don't say breast implants again. <laughs> 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 said, of course, Patrick would ask her to get implants. So,
1: my favorite line in the movie is, what's that? Duct tape. I need it for taping something.
0: Taping <laughs> <laughs> something, yeah. And then he puts it in a drawer. <laughs> yeah, and then he was part of that whole Yale thing. The whole Yale thing? Yeah, he's closeted homosexual. Probably did a lot of cocaine. That whole Yale thing. <laughs> Ed Gein, made at Canal Bar. <laughs> I just love that these dudes know nothing about anything that's not status-related somehow to New York. You know, it's... It's just so good.
1: <laughs> so it's funny we we make fun of Jr. We call him American Psycho sometimes in our friend group because which Jr. Came on for the first time we talked about yes
0: yes, yes.
1: But Jr. Works for uh investment bank and lived he lived in Manhattan now he lives in Queens. <laughs>
0: yeah. Oh, well, we didn't move to Jersey City like ever, all the like all the hip kids are.
1: No. No. He moved towards um. Yeah,
0: I forget that name. He's in Queens. <laughs> or Hoboken. Yeah. Hoboken's another one that nobody wants to pay the New York taxes and prices. They move to Hoboken or Jersey. City.
1: And you still play pay New York
0: rent. Well, of course. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I mean, I could see I could see JR being um he could be like McDermott. He could be Josh Lucas in this movie. He could definitely be Josh Lucas in this movie. <laughs> right. But uh it's I mean just I mean, Justin Thoreau is probably like the unsung hero of this movie. He's so good, especially in the business card scene, when um when Bateman pulls out his business card holder and he like flips it open, and Thoreau's first response is Is that a gram?
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> They're just gonna start doing lots in the middle of the conference room. <laughs> Yeah, and my, my favorite is when he yells at the dude in the next stall. He's like, I'm just trying to do cocaine here. Then it's just the asshole in the next stall thinks it's okay. He's like, <laughs> over the edge of the wall, like, yelling at the dude.
1: That's, I lo- so his unhingedness is like, real businessman unhingedness. Like, I just want to do some drugs, man.
0: <laughs> exactly, exactly. I mean, in all fairness, the dude in the next stall did start it. <laughs> yeah. He did, like, open his mouth and say some bullshit, to him, but yeah it's oh man yeah it's again of course there's also defoe like there's also william william defoe who is phenomenal in this movie he's so good because yeah
1: yeah uh, yeah so william defoe every time i see him i'm like yes he's in a movie but then my second thought is He's packing heat under there. And that why is that the first thing that comes to mind that he has an unreasonably large penis?
0: Yeah, it's like, I, I wish that information was never made public. Yeah, about. I don't want to know that. I wish no one. It's one of those things you find out and you go, God damn it. <laughs> never not think of
1: him. Don't throw him, will him to for him. <laughs>
0: it's, it's funny because, like, I wonder if that's, like, built into his, like, contracts now. It's, like, no full frontal nudity for fear of scaring people, (laughs) you know? He's not uncomfortable with it. Everyone else would be uncomfortable because of how unreasonably large it is. (laughs) And then, of course, he looks like Willem Dafoe, so that right there, like, oh, God. (laughs)
1: This
0: is terrifying. It's, like,
1: Willem Dafoe, like, I just can't imagine him. Like, I feel like he always had the same, like, he was born with that Willem Dafoe face
0: dude look it up it's uh like Willem Defoe uh inside the actor studio I think is one of the ones he's wearing like a red shirt or something he's real young real young and he still kind of has that look of Defoe you know um here it's yeah actors Studio Defoe yeah it's it's really kind of weird like to see the picture of him as a young dude oh God that doesn't bring it up. Just put Young Defoe. I think will come up.
1: God, he looks like if River Phoenix was a villain. Yeah, yeah.
0: He also kind of looks like a Hemsworth. Like he looks a little bit like Chris Hemsworth. It is kind of like that looked on. But he still, so, like, you look at him, you go, "This motherfucker is intense." <laughs> like, yeah. ha- how is he so good looking yet so intense? <laughs> like, oh, like God. he should be I ever mad.
1: send you the meme where they're like. <laughs> <laughs> we're like well we need a face that says i ate your entire butterfly collection and i shoved 16 pencil erasers up my ass <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs>
0: oh yeah that's defoe Give me that face you know it's, it's, <laughs> it's, i i just love the one where he's like holding the oranges and like sets the cigarette hanging out of his mouth like that's that's a great picture that's a great defoe shot you know it's he just doesn't care. <laughs> what does what's he care? He's got a fucking literal third leg hanging down there. What does he give a fuck? You know, you can always fall back on porn if he needs to. <laughs> but yeah, it's, I mean, everything about this movie is, and it's funny because Brady and Ellis was kind of like, this movie's unfilmable. It's like, well, is it, <laughs> you know, is it, uh, is your book unfilmable? You know, it's, we, we can put, Everything on screen, you know, it's just a matter of if it gets past the sensors kind of.
1: Thing. Oh God, I found it! I found the expression. Oh my
0: God, yeah, that's that's terrifying.
1: <laughs> and the exact quote is: "Give me an expression that says I just ate your butterfly collection, and I have seven scented erasers in my booty."
0: Yep, there you go. That's exactly the face you'd make. <laughs> That's that's again. That's a shot only Defoe can give you. It's <laughs> a very specific emotion, <laughs> and only <laughs> only Defoe can convey. But yeah, I mean, of course. Then, but everything, like I said, everything in the book nowadays is filmable. It's it's which is
1: weird on. with cancel culture.
0: Exactly, and well,
1: that's because violence isn't like for some reason like just abhorrent violence is not part of cancel culture.
0: Yeah. No, we have no problem with violence unless it's male on female. Like, unless yeah. it's a man just beating and killing a woman or a woman dying to further a man's agenda, looking at you, Mr. Nolan, because you managed to do it in Oppenheimer as well. You know, it's there's so many times like, yeah, there's specifics to it, but
1: like the again, Terrifier and Terrifier were not canceled. <laughs>
0: Right, terrifier exists. It probably isn't cancelled simply because of how purposefully over the top it is. And it's like there is there is a level you hit where it does become comedy essentially. And it is the Yeah, like hanging level. a
1: girl upside down and just cutting her in half. Bisecting
0: her with a knife, which would take a lot more effort than Art the Clown exudes to do that.
1: You <laughs> know, but well, hang uh, on, Art the Clown, I think, is a supernatural being, so he just m-
0: at the end of that movie, he becomes one. When he does that to the girl, he's just a crazy man with a knife.
1: We don't know that actually.
0: I don't know. I, I've always thought that that'd be dead. He's just a clown in that movie, and then he becomes a god, basically. <laughs> but it's the the but the thing is, if you watch that movie, the question is when that girl gets Bisected like that, she is topless for some reason. Like, does she need to be topless? Does he need to rip her underwear off to access her vagina to cut through it? Probably not. You know, it's it's a cleaner cut if he doesn't have, you know, bits of underwear in there, but pretty sure that's not what he's worried about. (laughs) And but then there's there's a scene in the book of American Psycho, and it's in the notebook that Gene reads in this movie. There's a scene where Patrick Bateman cuts a girl's head off and puts it on his erect on his erection, and he kind of walks around to his apartment with it, or with her like sucking his dick. And yes, could you show that? Probably not, (laughs) you know. But could you allude to it? Yes, you definitely could. And in the year two thousand, the way you did that was by putting it in a notebook that another character reads. But and like having the book readers know that know what that scene is, but there is a way to do that. And there is a way to film everything here. But if I remember correctly for the book, the book is a lot more straightforward of Patrick Bateman did this shit. Like he he is just a psychopath. He is a serial killer. Whereas the movie was like, what if it was all in his head? What if no one actually does anything that they talk about? And no one knows who anyone is in this culture. (laughs) You know, what if it's just a superficial ass culture where people are based on looks and status, and who you are and what you do does not fucking matter, <laughs> you know? <laughs> because they all have the same job at Price and Price, you know, or Pierce and Pierce.
1: Now, this movie has my favorite scene in cinematic history.
0: Which one? Is you it the should know. Cat? You should know. Oh, yeah. It's, it's clearly the part where Patrick Bateman. Feeds a cat to an ATM machine. Yeah, that's a...
1: yeah, sure. <laughs> it's the
0: it's the peanut butter soup that he, that he, that he orders Of course, it is the Jared letter scene. It's it's the killing of Paul Allen. <laughs> the the you whining like, and Eli dining Lewis in the news. The whining and dining and murdering of Paul Allen.
1: <laughs> I love when he's like, he's like, what are the newspapers on the ground? You have a little dog like, chow or something. Chow
0: or something. No, Paul, I
1: do. No,
0: Paul. Yeah, all of the react the responses, is that a raincoat? Yes, Paul. Hey, Paul. <laughs> I doing the fissure account now, you stupid fucking bastard. I just love the shot of it's such a great, I don't know, if it was by accident just how uh, from exerting himself doing the, the axe chops or if it was a purposeful makeup touch with Bateman, like Bateman's hair kind of blowing back with the blood all over his face. It's such a great look because he does take the time to kind of smooth it back out a little bit to light the cigar at the end. And it's like, of course that's what he would do after murdering a man.
1: (laughs) (laughs) The other mark of an excellent movie is how memeable it is. And this movie, this movie's got the memes.
0: (laughs) So many of them. It's the, it's the Patrick Bateman ooh face that he gives, uh, Bub, uh, Paul Allen the, the business the, card one
1: of the new ones is when he's looking at himself in the mirror while he's fucking and it's Having like sex different things and, he's yeah. watching
0: the, the one that I just mentioned the blood on the face scene it's uh I believe that's a meme for it's like when uh when a girl's suddenly on her period during 69 or something like that it's like yep <laughs> that makes sense but yeah and then of course him like the um him sitting behind the desk like with his fingers like Mm tented up they kind of like isn't that like the like one of like the chad memes like the uber chad memes where they kind of bulk out his chin a little bit a little bit of a um photoshop job but yeah of course the business card scene is endlessly you know memed and everything like that and yeah this but oh of course then the best one probably is the one that's i think done the most is patrick walking down the hallway with the headphones on <laughs> listening in the movie till i'm walking on sunshine <laughs> people have dubbed in other songs on the internet and it's even it makes everyone is better than the last you know oh, it's yeah. like there's no end to this well
1: <laughs> one of my favorite is they dubbed in the cat dog theme song
0: yeah it's anything goes there it's just hilarious because he's just so seriously walking with his 80s walkman on <laughs> and oh man it's again it's it's an amazing performance there's christian bale got absolutely fucking ripped for it like he is com- probably the best shape most actors have ever been in kind of like Brad Pitt in Fight Club <laughs> um there's now that we've mentioned it, there is Fight Club in 99 America's like in 2000 very much compliments to like, complimentary to each other and uh very uh, very similar in the things that they do. Are they handsome leading man? He's gotten insanely jacked, might or may not be an imaginary person, you know, we don't know. But yeah, it's they
1: both guess, are, they both have great scenes involving Jared Leto getting either beaten up or murdered.
0: Are they the same movie? <laughs> oh my god, are they the same movie? Is Tyler Durden Patrick Bateman? <laughs> is he just like a? I wouldn't say down on his like Patrick Bateman, just like a Patrick Bateman who sells soap, like just, just got disillusioned with Wall Street and he just went on to sell soap, you know, just be a traveling salesman. <laughs> but it's yeah, they both work for soulless corporations. Like <laughs> he works for Pierce and Pierce, Tyler Durden, as a uh, is basically a um, uh, what is he? He's an auditor or something like that. He's an yeah, he's
1: what are you talking
0: In Fight Club. He's the guy who figures out if you need an a recall on your vehicle or something like that. But yeah, he's like an
1: insurance
0: um adjuster? Actuary. Actually, I think yeah, I think that's what he is. I don't think we ever get an actual title, but what he does basically is he figures out in that great scene in the plane with the on the plane with the woman, he figures out if you need to make call or make uh issue a recall on a vehicle, yeah. you know? And again, it's like all these movies. They're they're based off of two books written by two guys who knew exactly how to portray these two gay dudes, by the way, like Bolanic and Easton Ellis are both gay as well. And it's, it's like a straight, I wonder if a straight dude could write this, you know, it's, it's like, is there something about like the, the experience of living in LA or wherever and meeting these people, and going to these clubs and doing this like lifestyle that being gay might give you a little more access to. I don't know. It's it's weird. It's like a straight guy just wouldn't have. I don't think any of the, like definitely not like, I don't want to say the fashion's cliche as hell, but like the superficiality, like he'd just he'd probably be probably more of like a caveman about all of it. You know, it's, there isn't a, like, yeah, there's like a level of,
1: of cynicism to yeah. it where like, they were both growing up in a time where like, it wasn't, it wasn't totally like,
0: you could be gay. You just couldn't be out about it, really. Yeah. You know, it was for reasons like they portray in their books. You know, it's 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 very, very strange to think about. I mean, it, obviously, being two straight white guys, it it would take us down a path that would lead to some uh, sticky subjects, probably. But but it's it's one of those things where you think it's like, does being gay and an author and writing and having these experiences, living in these particular places, does that make you? more insightful maybe to like does that
1: give you just like the outlook to write in a way
0: because you're and at the time when they're writing these you're on the outside you are the outsider essentially like although you might be the insider but to the greater whole of society no one knows you're gay like the people in your friends group or your group might know but they're not telling anybody because it's not incredibly safe to be gay in a lot of parts of the country like LA you might be all right but it's it's very interesting to think because most of these movies most of Brady analysis books I think all of them actually feature some sort of gay sex scene at at least hmm. um and then of course in American Psycho in the movie we do get the Lewis and Patrick scene where Lewis is taking a piss and Patrick is to strangle him. And he turns around and Lewis is basically like, "Oh, so this is how you want to do it? Okay, let's get down." You know, and Patrick goes, "What the fuck?" <laughs> he
1: starts watching. That, that is hands. an underrated scene in this movie. Yeah, starts watching. <laughs> his how do you get hands. Patrick Bateman to not kill you? Come on, Dan.
0: <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it's it's pretty funny. Yeah, like I said, he's watching his gloved hands. He leaves and he's. It's like I got to return some videotapes. You know, it's it's just. It's it's a really interesting movie that really does kind of like you start noticing a lot more stuff the more you watch. Like every new time you watch it.
1: Yeah, that's true. <laughs> but yeah, now the easily the best of the three movies in my book. Easily.
0: Easily. Yeah. I mean, it's there, there's no question. There really isn't. And uh in my mind, it's psycho attraction, and then Robert Downey Jr. in lesson zero space few spaces couple rankings and then the rest of lesson 0 you know <laughs> yeah
1: but... that's so again robert downey jr in lesson 0 is probably the second best performance out of all three of these movies <laughs> but the yeah, movie yeah, as a whole was... is not good
0: yeah the, the 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 movie surrounding his performance is not incredible so that is part 2 of our american psycho talk on happy Hour films who knows? Maybe one day we'll do a I don't know Chloe 70 and come and we'll we'll somehow find a way to bring it back and in, in, in an unexpected time. But um, maybe we'll do female directors and Mary will get to come back. <laughs> I don't know if she's directed anything else on top of my head, but uh, she's not exactly Catherine Bigelow. But um, so Mike, where can people find us on the internet?
1: Alright, you can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Overcast, and just about anywhere else you get your podcasts from, thanks to Spotify Podcasts. You can also find us on Instagram, Facebook, our film's podcast. Go like her shit.
0: I'm yeah, so like you said Instagram, Facebook. You, know, you had a kind of a glitch with the internet there briefly, so I don't know if anybody actually heard you, but Oh, whatever. Instagram, Facebook,
1: and YouTube. Like her yeah, shit. Yeah, there you go. If you're still yep. here, you should. you should know. <laughs> you, yeah, should you should know.
0: You should. You should. And uh where are we on that threads account, Mike?
1: Oh I is anybody did. actually on
0: threads anymore? What we could be the only ones, we could be dominating threads because I don't think any I'll know if anybody else is on.
1: Is, is Twitter now X?
0: Yes. Oh, you didn't hear about that? No. Oh yeah, that's just just Google uh Elon Musk X. And it's funny because he wants to call Twitter videos X videos. And I believe there's already a porn site that's called that, so the man just loves the letter X and he doesn't think he just does things. And oh boy. <laughs> so, all right. What? While we figure out a way to, I don't know, tell Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, Twitter, all of our stupid movie ideas and <laughs> just put that garbage out in the world, which would be fun to do. We still have to do this podcast, which we are going to be in week three of book adaptations. Now, like we said this week, we specifically focused on one guy, Freddy Easton Ellis. Next week, we're going to focus on a guy who a couple of you may have heard of. You may have seen a few of his movies. We're going to focus on the non-horror versions of those movies. So we're going to be talking about Mr. Stephen King. And we're going to discuss Shawshank Redemption, Green Mile, and Stand By Me. And it's going to be fun because
1: this is one Miles, it's going to be one of the best weeks in terms of
0: gonna be good green mile is uh pretty damn long
1: yeah (laughs) overall quality of film i there's not many weeks where we get to talk about three we'll say a minus to a plus movies
0: (laughs) yeah i haven't seen stand by me in quite some time but it does feature the right (laughs) amount of feldman
1: my all-time fave
0: yeah it does feature the right amount of feldman and a living river phoenix so at least there's that uh and, Of course, there's Shawshank, Shawshank is Shawshank, you know. It's uh, if you had TNT at any point from that movie's release to today, you've seen Shawshank Redemption, <laughs> but um, yeah, and especially looking at the last two weeks, this is going to be the one where the quality is, and the rest is going to be like, oh boy, <laughs> oh boy, let's try to get through this. So, until next week, when we talk about Mr. King's more heightened. Uh, Oscar-worthy films, I guess, and we find out that we're tired, boss. <laughs> we're tired.
1: <laughs>
0: I have been Ross Bacon.
1: I've been Mike McWiggin.
0: I'll see you guys next time. So